meeting is also being recorded. I've got that. And before we do anything else, here. Okay, everything looks fine. So before we do anything else, here's a little movie magic. Okay, so that would have been cool. <laughs> Except um, for the, the quietness of The it. quietness of it. It just took away. I, I don't know why I'm having a little trouble with... Uh, oh, here we go. Humble and Fred movie trailer. Let's see if it plays off this. Okay. okay. All right. Just an, another great opening to the show. Hang on. In a world where everyone is politically correct, two men decide to change the fate of mankind forever. Howard Glassman. I just remember those early boners, you know, and you'd have the slow dance. And Fred Patterson. Uh, do you want to go from shit to piss? Come together <laughs> to create the best podcast experience ever. If you don't take my word for it, then you're just a pansy. <laughs> that was literally the worst. I, no, I, you know what? I, that deserved websites was horrible. Hang on. Here we go, Dan. Humble and Fred. Truly independent. All right. You see? There's a nice start to the show. Dan. This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from Humble and Fred Studios in Toronto, Brampton, and from the powered-up part of Lusty Lovesick Lake. And is brought to you by Bodog, Gig Sky, The Retirement Sherpa, The Chambers Plan, Health Gauge, Hush Blankets, Relaxacare, and our newest returning sponsor, DraftKings. And now here are two men who spent the weekend practicing their feeling of superiority skills and are ready to go with you talking down to quips and just going through a tough time backtracking. It's Humble and Fred. I don't even know what that meant, but that was great. Dan Duran, thank you very much. Don't go anywhere. I mean, I, I just thought we would kick off the show with some audio. You know, usually we have a discussion and it goes on forever. And then it's like people don't even be sure. Is that the real show? Is that... Is that a meeting before the show? Is that a meeting before the show? Are we supposed to be listening to this part? That's a big question around here. When's the part? When's the actual show start? Well, it's an exciting day because we begin this day with a special weather alert. And you know how that titillates us. Oh, this is a beauty. <laughs> That's all right. I think this, this is a statement you've been waiting for. <laughs> well, it, it is, Dan. Mm. Mm-hmm. This is the hot weather we've all been waiting for. Yeah, apparently the next couple of days are going to be punishing. And, uh, you know, all those people that, you know, you want to bring in from the cold, now you have to bring them in from the, from the heat crazy how that works yesterday morning i played early probably earlier than i've played golf in a long time we teed off around 7 30 or was it seven maybe it was seven but there was it was the first time this year that i've been out that early where there was warmth in the air and the breeze the the coolness and the breeze was not a like a chilly breeze it was a nice breeze <laughs> oh it's so good to know <laughs> Even as I was saying that, I'm like, okay, so what? <laughs> so, so what, Grampy? It was a nice breeze. Mm-hmm. God. 
Well, I was golfing yesterday with the uh, my grandson, my son, my son-in-law, and uh, at Blue Springs there in Acton, and uh, that's a beautiful, beautiful track, as they call it, although we were on the pitch and putt. But I'll tell you, the scenery around there and the day it was, the lovely blue sky and the floating white clouds and the warmth, it was just, uh, it was spectacular. and made all that shitty worth, uh, weather sort of... You know, yeah, it's funny how quickly it's worthwhile, but you know, you can push it behind you. It was well, wonderful. It, it, we do push it behind us. It's human nature. You kind of just go, well, you know, now it's forgotten. And then we go into this three month, you know, Canadian dream, I call it. The, the dream that this is how the weather is all the time. You know, when it's like, you know, you just kind of start wandering around in shorts. Dan was talking about dunking himself in the lake for a bath. Well, a morning wake-up is what I'm planning on tomorrow with the temperatures the way they're going. Yeah. It's so a great you, way to start a day. Have you ever done that, like jumped in the lake well, first thing I, in the morning? I, no. I, I don't oh. think I have because I don't live at a lake. Well, in like your vacationing so. times. Yeah, I probably you're at a cottage. It. You've never tried that? Sure. Um, <laughs> um, but I'm curious, like when you go in, will you put on any clothing or do you just like raw dog it right to the bottom? Well, my preference would be to raw dog, but you know it depends on who's who's up here. He he has been spotted dropping his shorts and diving in off the dock by people at the park, including women. You know that, right, Dan? Yeah, but it's you know it was Emma time. <laughs> well, I was going to say that's like when somebody calls the Peterborough Daily News and there's been a Loch Ness monster sighting at Lovesick. Mm. Serpents okay. in this area? Mm. Ah, this Loch Ness monster has shown up on the docks. So why do you have to take? Why can't you just be like everyone else and have you know yeah. bathing trunks on and just dumb you know? Well, first of all, there's the uh, the feeling of being free in the world. There's freedom. that. Mm, yes, yeah. freedom. Canadians, freedom. Canadians, we're searching. We're desperate. Freedom. <laughs> freedom. There's the freedom. There's the freedom. Freedom. Uh, there's also uh, when you get out of the water with mm. a bathing suit on, it is wet and also makes you a little colder. And now, you know, we're especially in uh, colder times. Yes. Right? So then, because you know the you know water against your skin, whatever you know, it's just it's 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 easier. That's sure, and yeah. that's why you have to have a good quality bathing suit as well. You know that we've talked about it before. That netting in a bathing suit, if you're wet, and as it dries, it gives you crotch rot or it itches down there. It's very uncomfortable. But if you buy like a bathing suit of some quality, it's silky, that uh, netting that holds your gems mm. in place. Very important. Yes, silky netting yeah. that encompasses the, <laughs> the Fred Fred shopping. Yes. What's the silky rating? Yeah. What, what, how much silk is in the netting? <laughs> What's Do the thread count on that? <laughs> Let me, is there any way I can rub this silky netting against my scratchy bag? Um, well, Dan, that's very impressive. Uh, good for you. Uh, so, but when you know when you go out tomorrow morning and it before the show, there won't be anyone awake. You can just dive in. Nude. Yeah. Well, I don't know if Fred's going to be around here, but uh, it, yeah, there's really well, there's I guess there's one or two people that could be up at that time. But you know, who gets up at five thirty and you know starts looking out the window for Dan Duran next door? <laughs> well, probably just your fan club, Dan. <laughs> just the Dan Duran <laughs> fan club. Roped off. By the way, yes, I don't know Danny. We, we talked about it, but there is power where I am. Oh. Now. 
It's been, it was a, like, imagine the power of the storm that came through Ontario. Yes. That, that there are still uh, over a week now, like it was on Saturday, as well, late Saturday afternoon, almost seven days exactly after the storm launched its, uh, its destruction. Uh, did we come back from that mm-hmm. here uh, in Lovesick Lake? And, and that's also including Peterborough. Peterborough, there's still little mm-hmm. tiny spots that are without it. And as you go further east, there's still, you know, Ottawa dealing with it. And and it's a long, It's this is, remember that ice storm? Mm-hmm. This is bigger than that. Yeah, you said that. You told me that on the weekend. The damage and the, uh, and the aftermath, this is worse than the ice storm. That's hard to believe, but I'm not disputing it. Uh, you know, because, you know, ice and snow and it just looks a lot more miserable. When yeah, we, it just the that. number of trees down and the number of poles that broke yeah. uh, and, you know, the number of crew working on it for this length of time has been been astonishing to me. I mean, you know, and this it's 2022 and it takes, yeah. you know, well, you know, it's you know, it's serious when the headline, you know, in the national is, hey, it's crazy shit in Ontario. That was what they said. <laughs> Crazy shit, Terrio? Crazy shit in Ontario. Yeah. Yeah, I, no, I, th- I thought the same thing, too, Fred, that you think that devastation from the ice storm would be more widespread and more devastating because it's ice and ice is cold, but winds are also devastating. Guys, you know, and, and the, the width or the, the, uh, the area that this thing covered, it's amazing. It really is, because... You know, my daughter in Georgetown has a huge tree down in her side yard. And then what, what, we, what we went through in Peterborough and then talking to some yesterday, uh, somebody yesterday lives out uh, near Stratford and they got nailed. And it was widespread. You know, it, like it was crazy. I mean, Uxbridge was the actual tornado, apparently, but everything around it was it was just so wide. Well, you think about where Uxbridge is compared to where you live and to where Peterborough is. That's yeah. quite a, a wide swath. area. It's a swath. Swath. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> By the way, did I mention how beautiful it was yesterday morning? It was a cool chill, but not a chill chill. You know what I'm saying? Ooh, swath. I wonder if that'll show up on Wordle. Hmm. <laughs> Is Wordle not dropped off the radar yet? No. No. I play Wordle and Word Hurdle every day. Wow. A wordle is five letters. Word hurdle is six letters. Fantastic. We're, we're sort of on a family chat thing, and we all play it and try to. I think it's great. You know, I got no problem with that. I'm not against well, it. How could, you, how could anyone have a problem with that? I'm not saying they do. I'm saying I don't. I know, but that leads to think that somebody else might. Maybe they you do. You make the point, I don't have a problem with that. It's almost like somebody else might or would. Why, why would they, Howard? Explain that. Don't challenge me. I don't need to answer. I need to answer your questions. Those people play in Wordle, that family thing. I have a problem with that. Some people might have a problem with it. I'm not particularly one of those people. Um, by the way, i got to write this down. I, I saw a whole bunch of uh, stuff on the weekend. Of course, our weekend starts on... Uh, Thursday, Friday, Wednesday. So, Wednesday, now, Wednesday right? is the weekend eve, but uh, George Carlin's Wednesday's am- the new Friday, right? <laughs> <laughs> Wednesday's Wednesday's Friday, Junior. Uh, George Carlin's American Dream just made me think of that. We need to talk about that this week. That's a new documentary. Yes. Yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing that. No, I've heard some interviews about it. It sounds uh, pretty. Interesting. It's it's fascinating. 
for many, many reasons of which I will painstakingly go through as this week uh, commences. Also uh, today, uh, I'm just trying to put this person in context. He's a longtime supporter of the show, longtime friend of friend of Fred's. He predates Dan and I coming to Toronto. We uh, came to work with Fred in 1989. I came in the summer. Dan arrived later that year. But prior to that, Fred worked with a guy named Mike Hannafin, who has supported us long after he left radio. And Freddie, you guys worked together back in the day. He's got a lot of perspective on the old CFNY. Yes, uh, I was the sports director there. And uh, back in the day, they allowed me to hire a... uh um, a weekend sportscaster reporter slash reporter and Hannafin was the guy and great guy and loved his time at CFNY and has been a great supporter of this project over the past 10 years and uh, has lived out west so we'll get his perspective on out west his mom's at a long-term uh, health care facility here in Ontario maybe he'll have something to say about that because we're just moments away from entering one of those ourselves. <laughs> no. Scouting now. Scouting. That's right. I'm thinking of turning these five floors into a long-term seniors barracks. That's right. We're doing our due diligence now to see where we want to end up. Yeah. Uh, Dan just sent you a note, and I concur, just to bump it up a little bit there. Not a lot, Dan. Not a lot. Well, I did say a bit, didn't I say just a bit? Yeah, just a How bit. Just, that? How was that? No, just a bit more. Yeah, it's hard to tell. Uh, it seems, I, I guarantee it, it'll, all, it'll all be fine once we produce this program. Hello, hello. How's that? That's good. Uh, anyway, American Dream, George Carlin, we'll talk about that. Also, uh, lots of other stuff. Uh, but anyway, Mike Hannafin is our guest. Uh, a little bit later on, um, Dan will come back. We're going to be doing, we're back to regular programming our our deep dive into the Derringer issue last week produced a lot of reaction. Also produced, I'm going to say, probably our top three or four podcast numbers of all time. It's certainly, you know, I called it Boone. You may have looked on Facebook and Boone put our iTunes ranking, which was the highest it's been in many years. In comedy, we were in the top 10. I'm sorry, the top 20, but certainly the top maybe one or two if you take away. You know, I think there was one other Canadian podcast ahead of us. So we were definitely one of the top two Canadian podcasts last week. But for the first time, and I don't remember this, maybe you guys do, but in the category all podcasts, which is every category from news to interviews to whatever, and uh, we were in the top I'm going to say in the top 50, which is very, very different for us. I don't know that, I don't know that we've ever ranked higher in that category. Wow. Well, we'd just like to thank John <laughs> That's Derringer right. I was going to say, I didn't want to be crass. Could, maybe Derringer could do some more shit this week. Thanks, John, for being such a prick. That's what I called. I said that to Boone. I said, it's the Derringer bump. Um. But lots of, uh, I was going to say, lots of great reaction, and and you've had some conversations we might refer to. I had a conversation, a really long one, with one of the victims, and uh, she was very appreciative of our uh, expose, if you will, last week. And she thought it was all accurate and everything, and well represented. 
Well, I can read you some of her her correspondence with me. I think I did. It was Colleen, and, and she said she was just so happy and proud of us and, and so uh, appreciative of us talking about it. Yeah, the solution for her was to send her to Hamilton and give her a pay cut. Yeah. You know, get her out of the way. And this was uh, maneuvered by a guy who's a big proponent of young broadcasters nowadays, the Steve Young Award. Let's get those young broadcasters in, uh, you know, uh, uh, with whatever, whatever it is, your auditions or whatever they do to send in to become Canada's number one young broadcaster. It's rather, rather ironic at this moment. Yeah. So to we'll report on. Place. What's that, sir? No, to see that taking place. It's just, you know. That whole middle management level sort of running for cover right now, almost trying to position themselves like they were victims, too, because they were they were just following instructions. Yeah. But we'll get to that later. Yeah, we'll get to that later. Uh, at some point, also, we'll have an update on what's happening in the world of uh, Andrew Crystal. So much uh, reaction to Andrew's untimely death. Uh, I, as I said to you before the show started, I spoke to Andrew's wife last night. So we'll talk about that. Of course, you uh, you may all most people have heard that Ronnie Hawkins died, age eighty seven. Uh, again, you know, but my first thought was, oh, that's great because then Freddie can tell the story of going to Hawkins' house. But also, I also thought, also I also thought that eighty seven is a good run. That's when you're supposed to, you know, eighty seven. All right, you know, it's not Andrew Crystal at sixty three and. A lot of the comedians that have died, Norm MacDonald and, and such, are all in their early 60s, and Bob Saget. And, but um, Ronnie Hawkins, so we'll, we'll have uh, known his name for a long time and, and vaguely aware that he had something to do with the band, but I don't really know that Ronnie Hawkins has like a famous like song or like I'm even on Spotify I'm looking now like what would be a a Ronnie Hawkins hit nothing really you know maybe maybe you could help me out there well I told you you know um, during our extensive show prep prior to uh, signing on Mm -hmm. you know that was just the era before us you know like 50s rock like late 50s early 60s yep he came up from the United States and the more you read, you realize the impact that he had on rock and roll in Canada. Yeah. So many great stories attached to that. So, no, I don't. Off the top of my head, I don't know either. I know he was instrumental with the band involved with that. And, you know, Robbie Robertson. And, is this a. Didn't he have a song? Who do you know? Yeah, this is it. This is kind of like, this is why I picked it up, because it's the one that I sort of recognize and associate with him. Have a listen to this, Dan. I walk 47 miles of barbed wire, use a cobra snake for a necktie. Got a brand new house on the roadside, made from rattlesnake hide. I got a brand new chimney made on top, made from a human skull. Now come on, baby, let's take a little walk and tell me who do you love? Who do you love? Who do you love? Who do you love? I would know this song. I don't know that I'd know it was Ronnie Hawkins, though. Who do you love? Well, isn't that... Don't they call that sort of like rockabilly or something? Yeah. Mm. 
And you said that he was a big supporter and a big influencer on Canadian music in the 60s. Neil Young, Robbie Robertson, the band, all those people sort of came through the school of Ronnie Hawkins. And uh, and he came up here. Tell, tell that quickly why he came to Canada. Uh, I think it was Conway Twitty. He was trying to make his way in the United States and uh, wasn't getting uh, very far. And I, 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 I believe the story is like Conway Twitty said, go to Canada. Why don't you make a, make a name for yourself in Canada and see what happens? And it wasn't until he came to Canada that he really made a name for himself and was accepted on some level in the United States. Which is rather ironic, uh, because how many Canadians feel they have to go to the States to become famous? American came to Canada to become famous. But it was great. You know, his uh, house on Stony Lake, it was perched up on top of a hill. A huge amount of waterfront on Stony Lake, which is a prestige lake in the course. It's just fantastic. Um, And then he had sort of these little cottages along the water. And I remember... I guess the first time I was there, he was looking out over the water and he pointed to one and he said, that's where Gordon Lightfoot wrote Sundown. Wow. Um, And Kathy Smith at the time was his girlfriend or whatever. Kathy Smith was Gordon Lightfoot's uh, girlfriend or Ronnie Hawkins? No, uh, Gordon Lightfoot. And Kathy Smith is the one that was having, uh, I'm not sure if she was John Belushi's girlfriend, Mm -hmm. but she was the one that was shooting up. Um, with with Belushi the night he died. Right. And Sundown was a song written about his relationship with her. And then he told the stories about John Lennon coming to his house in Mississauga and running up a $9,000 phone bill and leaving, which he eventually paid. But he said it was amazing because him and Yoko showed up and he was on, or she more than he, was on the phone all the time making these long-distance calls. <laughs> That's correct. And after they leave... Uh, you know, a bill comes in for 9000 But apparently, John was good for it eventually. Yeah, I'm sure he was. You know, speaking of Lennon and Yoko, again, one of the reasons I think you're both going to like the George Carlin documentary, and it's not, it's not short. It's an hour 45 per episode. So you're going to need to watch it over a few evenings. But what it's, not only if you're a comedy fan, it puts stand-up into context, but there's so many cultural references, Dan and Fred, from our childhood, from the 60s into the early 70s, mm-hmm. like, in no particular order. Um, all the episodes of the Mike Douglas show and Merv Griffin and all those old shows that we've all forgotten about. Plus, Carlin had appeared in all these old sitcoms and... But there was one in particular, um, a talk show, and I think it was Mike Douglas, where the panel was George Carlin, John, and Yoko. And there's this great moment where Carlin's talking about the counterculture and how he feels his comedy informs the culture, blah, blah, blah. And there's just such a look of respect on Lennon's face. Like, they're sort of nodding like he's speaking their language and i was like isn't that interesting that that lennon uh, john and yoko or lennon in particular would have seen him as not only an artist but a kindred spirit in you know just in the whole cultural shift that was going on at that time and i think the series also covers uh 
his reinvention of himself. Oh, so, like, amazing. How, how from one one style of comedy to another to his political uh, but, aspirations. But, absolutely, Dan. And everyone knows it was, the obvious ones are when he went from being sort of the straight guy wearing a suit to the, the long haired guy. But there's three or four more transformations of his style over time. Um like there was the 70s Carlin and and what's really cool is at some point in the late 70s when Cheech and Chong were really popular one of those guys in Rolling Stone made a comment like you know Carlin's basically irrelevant and Carlin took that as a challenge like oh yeah okay well I'm going to show you guys how relevant I can be and then he reinvents himself again but but again I'll talk more about it as the week goes on but just that moment where Lennon is shaking his head and nodding at what Carlin's saying, I just it was very, very interesting. Matt, those early clips of uh, Carlin when he comes out like in the suit. Oh yeah, you know when he was a straight laced comic. Yep. Uh, it's just so so funny to see that compared to how he ended. Well, Freddie, you would remember this, but I'd forgotten that he was part of a comedy duo, Burns and Carlin. That's how he started. He was part of a two-man act in the early, mm-hmm. early years. Yeah. Um, I only thought you would have known that because they, because as a, mm-hmm. as a double act, mm-hmm. he was on all those shows. He was on Ed Sullivan and all that stuff, and then he threw that away. Uh, Dan just reminded me, well, Andy Fletcher of Depeche Mode died? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the, when uh, was that? Synth- synthesizerist. Uh, in the last, uh, the date, I don't know, a couple of days ago, like three days. Well, while we were away on our extended yeah. weekend? Yep. All right. You know, and for old CF and wires and edge people, that is significant. Very significant. Depeche mode. Yeah, now you're distorting there, buddy. A, a staple of that order. Yeah, Fred, Dan, now he's uh, distorting a little bit. He distorted. He did that one little distortion there. Okay. Um, Dan, we're going to let you go. Dan Duran's news is uh, coming up. Always a pleasure, Dan. See you then. Now, will you go wash your... Well, he's gone now. (laughs) Just going to say. Because I know, you know, one of the things we didn't say about him jumping in the lake is he goes in there with a bar of soap. Yes, which is not environmentally friendly. Yeah, I'm weird, huh? That he yeah, wouldn't care about the environment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, yeah, that's right. I've been up there, and he said, "Yeah, yeah, just go in the water and you know wash yourself." I'm like, "Okay, um, all right." Well, let's get the show uh, officially started. Of course, we want to begin. Well, um, sort of begin with a uh, just a little uh, Ron Hawkins music. Where, if you can just maybe uh, talk about. Some of the fine people that help bring this show together each and every day. That would be oh, great. I want to talk about Modog right now because there's a huge hockey game tonight. Game 7 of the Rangers and uh, Carolina series. Uh, Carolina at home, minus 150. They are the favorite. Uh, the over-under, 5.5, five and a half goals. All right, so uh, that game should be very, very exciting to watch. Just uh, another reason to, you know, check out Bodog and uh, find out why they've uh, been so instrumental in wagering since 1994. You know, they have poker rooms and all other uh, aspects of betting. Uh, It really is the place to go. It is the place to go for single-game online wagering Bodog. 
Last couple of weeks have been uh, very interesting for me as a uh, an athlete, as a golfer, someone that likes to stay in shape. You know, I was talking to this guy I work out with, uh, my buddy Brooke Benny. He's a uh, golf trainer with the Guelph Griffins golf team. And I said, you know, I've accepted the fact that at age 62, I'm going to be sore from time to time from, you know, staying active. What's made the biggest difference in the last uh, three or four weeks for me is Relaxacare. Yes, I have a massage chair now. I've entered my massage chair years. This place is amazing. I did some research. I went in there and I bought a chair. And as I've said before, then they became our clients. Relaxacare.ca, one of the largest showrooms of these chairs. No other company in Toronto offers this many on display. And why that's important is because it gave me a chance to try out a bunch of different chairs at a bunch of different price points. Education and communication better than everyone else. Everything they do is in-house sales, administration, delivery, all of that. You can visit them in person or order online at relaxacare.ca. All sorts of other fitness products there as well. All the top brand names, the biggest in Canada for wellness products, as well as saunas and massage chairs. You've taken a spin in this thing. Do yourself a favor. If you've been thinking about it, as I did for a long time, I did my due diligence and I... I don't know. I'm, you know, they're not cheap, and I wasn't sure I wanted to spend the money. And then when I did, I realized, oh yeah, I've just saved myself, you know, many many massages because, you know, yesterday's a perfect example. I came home from golf, did a, you know, did a little work around the house, and then when I was watching golf, which is you know the other thing I do on Sunday afternoons, I was sitting there in the chair for about a half an hour. I was like being massaged and dozing at the same time. If you want the same experience, and it's really good for tired muscles, as I say, relaxacare.ca is where you go. All right. Yeah, really, it's like having a masseuse, uh, you know, a consistent masseuse always at hand. And that's the thing, <laughs> yes. it's consistent. Yes, it is very consistent. Um, I'm just looking at a note from Dan Duran. We're having we're having another. Hey, everyone! It's spring, which means another round of microphone issues. Anyway, and what is it now? Oh, it Me? doesn't matter. No, it's fine. It's just an imbalance, and I just can't. Uh, I just can't concentrate on it. Another thing I wanted you to uh, a note I wrote down for you, and we can talk yeah. about it later too. Is uh, Letterman's got a, a bunch of new. My next guest needs no introduction. Video. On mm-hmm. the Netflix, very good. But uh, I thought we would start before Mike gets here and talk a little bit about some of the reactions slash fallout from last week. I mentioned that, obviously, we had a big bump in, you know, curiosity and listenership. And I went and looked online. Again, the only time I bother with Facebook is to see that the stream is working. But there were a lot of great comments and maybe later in the week when we do our emails, we can throw in some of them. Some people that hadn't heard the show. Somebody, the, the day uh, that we made the big last Tuesday, and I had mistakenly put our feed onto my own personal Facebook page by mistake. Some people who started watching it hadn't heard us in a while. And they were like, oh, there you guys are. And they, they started listening, and now they're, now they're listeners again, which I thought was very sweet. Yeah, that is fantastic. It really is. Hey, whatever it takes, eh? Um, 
do you want to maybe talk about what we talked about or do you want to even bother do you want to just mention overall you had a conversation with one of the people and how you don't you don't have to listen if you don't want to we don't have to no i again the weekend i heard ryan parker and johnny garbett mentioned too many times this weekend from this aspect now ryan parker was derringer's sidekick and johnny garbett ran the the board Complicit, I guess they sat there and watched this stuff happen. But again, put yourself in their position. Pretty tough. You know, I know Ryan Parker has three kids, mortgage, lives in Acton. Very tough, tough position. You know, it's easy to say, I would have done this. I would have done that in that position. Yeah. I don't care about those guys at this point. What I care about is the middle guys, the middle management. Because so Ryan Parker and Johnny Garbutt are having their uh, names you know, drag through the mud when all these middle guys that knew for years and years and years seem to be flying under the radar. And I keep hearing that. And I heard Maureen Holloway say it on uh, John Moore's show. Like those people have to be accountable in a conversation I had with one of those managers who was sort of flapping in the wind the other day was, you know, it wasn't their fault. It was at the top. And I'll say it. It was, you know, apparently John Cassidy, uh, signed the contract with uh, Derringer and he was the only guy that could fire him and uh, they went to him many times and he said oh he's the most uh, recognizable or the most listened to jock in Toronto so just manage him yeah when, when you told me that and and for context again I'm just going to tell you this one last time you're cracking up but you're you're modulating a little bit just so just back it up when when I heard that John Cassidy was our boss and as I explained to many people that I saw the last three or four days, mostly golfers, asking me about what happened with Derringer, when I told them that our bosses were his bosses, but the ultimate boss of us was John Cassidy. And I got to be honest with you, after our conversation the other day, which was quite extensive, it was the three-parter, I, I left sort of thinking, that's a little disappointing. I really like John. John was great to us. John, when he found out that we were leaving because we were being mishandled by the little general, you know, he was genuinely upset and wanted to make it right, which is another story. But that disappointed me. And when I found out that he was like, well, John's the most popular, blah, blah, I said, I thought to myself, yeah, but what about Colleen and Jackie and Andrea Ruse and Jennifer Valentine? What about all those people? What is the, what does being popular have to do with a, a young woman who's this, at the, at the time this was going on, is the same age as Spencer now, 24. What does it have to do with the fact that she was in therapy for, for years because of the mis, mistreatment at this, the hands of this guy? Yeah. And, like, what what about them? And, you know, the conversation I had with my daughter over the weekend. This, uh, you know, this affects a st- uh, extended family as well. So when you say just manage him, that's having no sort of consideration or thought for the victims at all. Right. Like, what about those young women going home and telling their their boyfriends, their their husbands, their fathers, their grandfathers about this, and they they all want to do something about it, but they can't because they don't want to jeopardize this woman who they love, her job. It's pretty shitty, yeah. you know. And and you know there is always something you can do. You can quit, or you can actually, 
get a united front, get other managers and the victims and go to the very top and say enough is enough. There's lots of stuff that could have been done, but they like those ratings. They like those numbers. You know, everybody was proud of it. You know, he's our guy. Yeah. Yeah. And and again, not to forgive, but to, again, put into context, the times were different. They weren't this different, though. But so I can understand it's not an excuse, but I get why maybe John Cassidy and all the other cast of characters were trying to. This was prior to the Me Too movement. So I sort of, again, understand why they. I don't excuse them, but I understand why they may not have wanted to confront the issue. Right. Meanwhile, I mean, you know, listen, we're, there's no doubt that you and I have some lingering bitterness because, mm-hmm. well, because we were just handled differently. I mean, we seem to have to abide by a different standard. I did. I got sent. I got suspended by John Cassidy under his rule. I got sent to therapy thank goodness but you know they, they seem to have a different standard for you and i yes and we were generating big big income for that company as well for many years made mm-hmm. them tens of millions of dollars when i think of some of the stuff that we went through i went through and thought oh i could get in trouble for management for this just goofy little things yeah maybe pushing the envelope too much or and then to know this was going on and these guys were sort of overlooking it or dismissing it. You know, I had a guy, again, a chorus employee send me, send me something everybody received. I think it was on Friday from, what's his name, Doug Murphy, the guy that has a lot to answer for. He's the current big boss at Chorus. You know, sends out this email saying, hey, this is probably a good time to remind everybody we're here for you. Mm-hmm. We're here for you. <laughs> I saw that. Yeah, You I can contact this person and contact this. But it had an air about it like, hey, we're all in this together. Oh, we're all in shock when he knew. Right. And then he just signs it. Doug, it's, you know, no, you're, know. Like my, your buddy, Doug. Well, sorry, bud. Sorry. You know, I, you just reminded me of something. Around the time that all of this was going on, that Colleen was being called the C-word, that they were shuffling her off to the Hamilton, that Jackie Delaney was in there, and all these other people, and Ryan. I mean, Ryan, I thought of something. I don't know if you remember this, but we, when, when Ryan, I told the story about the intern not being allowed to take, Ryan wasn't allowed to take our intern to work anymore because we didn't get John donuts and coffee one morning. Again, funny story. I thought of another story. One morning, because I used to go down on the, we were on the 16th floor, Young and Dundas, and I still smoke cigarettes. And I would go down during the newscast, which was about eight or nine minutes with commercials. And I would go running down there, have a cigarette and come running back up. And one morning I was down there and I see Ryan and I don't fault him as much because, again, what's he going to do? It's John Derringer. But when he was an intern, he's holding a, a bag of dry cleaning and a big sack of laundry. And I go, hey, Ryan, what's up? <laughs> he says nothing. I go, what is that? He goes, that's John's dry cleaning and his laundry. And I just paused and went, Ryan, you don't have to do this. You don't have to do John's laundry. Another thing that you just reminded me of, at the time, all this was going on, we put out this thing called the Mojo, uh, what was it, the Mojo calendar, the Mojo model mm-hmm. 
And it was mm-hmm. a picture of all these beautiful women for 12 months and a picture of you and I at Christmas. And we right. weren't allowed to hang that in our office because mm-hmm. the women, rightly so, I guess, at the time, they mm-hmm. didn't like the calendars being displayed in the office. And management removed them all. So on the one hand, they're like, okay, we got to be sensitive to what women are feeling. At the same time, they've got a guy that's mistreating women on such mm-hmm. a dark mm-hmm. level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know. Just on and on and on. I was thinking on the weekend, too. Um, you know, John telling Ryan, you can't speak to that person or you can't speak to that person. I thought... I- if Howard had ever come to me and said, hey, I don't want you speaking to that person. <laughs> I know. What I would have said, well, you, you've you seen me lose it, but it's, but, but, you know, everybody's different. Everybody's position is different. And, yeah. you know, people's positions are more precarious than others. And, again, I just think of Ryan and Johnny because a, a kid like Ryan now, he's invested 20 years in that, and he's got so much... Derringer stink on him. Yeah, he's never going to like get that. Like JJ off. does, like Dave Farrow does, like Blair Bartram does, like uh, Chris Sizem does, like Chris Pandoff does, on and on and on. And I know they're all running for cover and they're all trying to make up reasons and excuses for why it happened and why they really weren't responsible. Well, guys, you all are. So sure. Deal with you just are. You were there. You were there. You oversaw it and you were aware of young women leaving that building in a pretty rough state. Traumatized. Traumatized. I I will say this, and I don't want to make a big deal of it, because the person who said to me, and I'm sure lots of people were thinking this, but I had, again, I mentioned a lot of you know, men in our age group. I, I was around a lot of golfers, obviously, the last three or four days, and this was a big story. And, of course, they want to ask me about it. Of course. But... Somebody said this, and again, I, I don't fault them because it's it's a it's a fairly common. Let me just write a message here to Mike to say standby. It's a fairly common thing that happens when these things happen, but it was a bit weird too. This person said, "You know, it's crazy, eh?" I go, "What?" See, well, I have Derringer thing. He says, "Amazing how just one person." Isn't it strange? He said, "How one person can can bring a, another person down?" And I said, "Well, that's not quite." I said, "I understand that," but I said that one person was John Derringer. Mm-hmm. The only person that brought John Derringer down was John Derringer. You know, I said, "Don't get." Let's not get started on these women making shit up. I said because first of all, I was there in the building, and these women are friends of mine. These aren't women I know in passing. These are people we know, Freddie and I know very, very well. But that attitude of like, oh, you know, you know, it's one person's opinion. I said, it's not one person. It's dozens of people's opinion. Yelling at somebody so loud and close that spit was getting onto her face. Yeah. This is a, this is a whole, this is a league of its own. Oh, yeah. It really, <laughs> it is. You know, and, and what are you saying? Like, you know, and he's finished. Like, listen, I wouldn't want to be John Derringer going to Home Depot today. You yeah. know, <laughs> if you don't want this on you. And then all these other guys, too. Like, what do they do when they all show up at Canadian Music Week? Like, you know, the movies and shakers of radio. It's like, oh, weren't you involved with that? What are they going to say? Yeah. When is that big convention? Is it this week that they're all in town? 
Oh, yeah, in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, that's going to be fascinating. The reason I was smiling when you said it, but you wouldn't want to be, you know, I, I was thinking because of, you know, last week, the two main focuses on our show were John Derringer and uh, now our dead friend, Andrew Crystal. <laughs> I was going to say to you today, we should play a game with people. Who would you rather be, Derringer or Crystal? <laughs> That's a guy. And you know what? Andrew would laugh at that. I know he would. He would be the first to laugh at that. Who would you rather be this week, Crystal or Derringer? Because you don't. Whose career is deader? Andrew's career is actually more alive than Derringer's career because people still think of Andrew fondly. Mm-hmm. And this is not a he said, she said. It's not. No. It's a long list of women. There's a ton of witnesses. You know, when they do their third-party investigation, obviously buying time so Chorus can get their story together. Uh, you know, there's going to be... I don't know. You don't. Do you have to do it under oath? I don't know. But they're going to be asking questions of people that are just going to decide whether they want to tell the truth or not yeah again if i'm the guys that sat in a room with john and watched this take place well listen it's over now so be honest um you know there's going to be no commitment to john derringer going forward like i i'm not going to rat john out because of we might have a chance to work together exactly uh, and the other <laughs> thing too like i i i'll be honest i spoke with uh colleen and i said you know if this was the states you and these women would never have to work again. And she sort of laughed. I said, honestly, you know, if this if this were that American, you know, culture, Jennifer Valentine, Maureen, Cruz, all of them, they could all be part of a some kind of suit. Colleen, especially, not any more or less, but I mean, she was sort of the beginning of it. Um, anyway, we're going to get to our Gig Sky guest of the day. You're handling that. Uh, mm-hmm. Mike Hannafin is standing by. I just want to quickly break away from this conversation and tell you that this program is brought to you by so very many people. I'm going to do one first, and then you do uh, Gig Sky Sky for Mm. our boy here. Uh, What I want to talk about is the idea that sleep is just, you know, so important. The quality of our sleep. Millions of people struggle with sleep. Hush Blankets are here to help an industry-leading sleep brand. They carry a wide range of sleep essentials for every sleeper. Whether you're a hot sleeper or a cold sleeper, Hush has what you need to get the job done. Of course, you've heard of their best-selling weighted blankets, and now their iced technology. Here's the cool thing about this company. You can use their products for 100 nights. That's outrageous. Try it for 100 nights. Return it with no hassle whatsoever. Go to HushBlankets.com. Again, HushBlankets.com. What's the place? HushBlankets.com. And use the promo code H-U-M-B-L-E. H-U-M-B-L-E for 10% off. That's the highest discount they offer. There you go. Yes, Mike Hannafin, our uh, Gig Sky guest of the day. You know, when uh, you travel, you deserve peace of mind. Yes, you do. So surf like a local with the tap of a button. Gig Sky offers a 100% data plan. Maps, Uber, Instagram, WhatsApp, FaceTime. Gig Sky's gotcha. They really do. Need a hotel, rental car, looking for things to do while traveling? It's all there. 
and they have a rewards offer up to 50% cash back and over 850,000 hotels globally. Reduced rates for rental cars. You can book your theme park adventure directly from your GigSky account. On and on and on. Visit gigsky.com slash travel rewards or sign into your account today for more information. Download and uh, download the GigSky app today. Enter code HF2022 for $5 off your first plan or visit gigsky.com for more information. I don't know where I was uh, on the weekend, but I went down a bit of a YouTube tragically hip rabbit hole and I saw a live version of this with Gordy. Man, you know, I, I regret this that I never appreciated how good they were. And I had so many opportunities, as you guys did, to see them live. And, you know, all but one, I sort of said, nah, I'm too busy. I wish I hadn't been. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I was thinking, uh, you know, something you've we've talked about this. But, you know, you've been to places like Austin and uh, Memphis. And, you know, Canadians tend to, you know, think of, I, I know, at least I did growing up, thinking of those cities as exotic and cool. And for some reason, you know, a city like Calgary or Edmonton doesn't sound as cool. But I was watching the PGA Tour yesterday, and it's from, I think they were in Fort Worth. And the mm-hmm. fucking skyline of Fort Worth looks like barely would even barely be the size of Mississauga's skyline. You know what I mean? Like it's a dinky oh, yeah. little town. And all oh, yes. those places I mentioned are just dinky little cities. Yes, they are. But, but they're for, bigger than life. They're bigger than the life. United, the United States of America and the history that they have. And they're in songs and movies and, you know, mm. not a lot of movies set in Winnipeg. And yet Winnipeg is a much bigger city and it's got a bigger skyline than all those cities I mentioned. Right. Yes. Very interesting. Anyway, I just very. thought of that. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, um, places. Yeah, although I must say, when you go to a place like Memphis or, oh yeah, Nashville, it's pretty cool because you're again because you're you're standing in history, and uh, you know things that happened in those towns. Sure, and the and and, and in the the touristy stuff that you can do whilst you're there, it's like boy, that's Sun Records. I'm standing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, no, we don't have a lot of that in Canada. The um, Baldwin sisters, who are super fans of ours, such lovely, lovely human beings, were listening this morning, I guess, live on Facebook. And I mentioned that George Carlin was on Mike Douglas. And they wrote me and you a note saying, uh, this is a clip, I think, from the Mike Douglas show you mentioned. Gosh, those old shows bring back great memories. Let's see what this sounds like. It's John and Yoko. Oh, I this is the whole thing. We can't. I can't play it. Sorry. This is the whole. I can't do that. But this is Didn't John do it on, on Mike Douglas. I think they broke a teacup, and every day they would glue a piece of it back together or something, like bringing the world together. Oh, that's great! Making the occasional hit record for years and years to come. Because I think saying that by you know in thirty you won't be singing. Yeah, but yeah, that's a great one to remind me. Thanks. When 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 we did early on interviews when I must have been about twenty five or twenty four or something. I used to always say, well, one thing I won't be doing is singing She Loves You When I'm 30. 
what I really meant. I had some idea that I wouldn't be what I was, whatever I was. At anyway, it's very interesting, and I'm just going to see if there's a part where Carlin comes on. Oh, there it is. There's Carlin now. They were, you know, the weird thing about John and Yoko is they're on the entire show. It's almost like they're co-hosting with uh, Mike Douglas. I've never seen Harry. It before. just means that some things maybe you don't want to play on the radio. Mm. <laughs> That's all. But there are, yeah, there are words, you know, that are still kind of taboo. So they want to warn disc jockeys not to put it on by accident with a big sound. Okay, let's give a listen. <laughs> Will you do me a favor? This is something that we started on. Anyway, I, I just wish everyone would go and watch uh, this uh, documentary because... It really is. It does bring back a lot of memories, as the Baldwin sisters said. For for me, particularly, it was such a. Anytime any of those shows had a comedian on, I always would watch it. And seeing Mike Douglas interact with John and Yoko is pretty interesting. Yeah, that's on Crave, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah, it's called I'm George Cra- Carlin's American Dream. I'm craveless right now, so I don't know what. Maybe I'll jump on a free trial. Mm. Why don't you get your son to oh, figure it out? No, I don't know if you can do that a sixth time. <laughs> Why don't you get your son to engineer something for you? you know? Oh, no, I'll see it. I'll be mm. somewhere where I can see mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you will. Uh, anyhow, very interesting stuff. And, and, you know, one of the things in the documentary, and this is the segue coming up, is... Again, from a guy that went from had so many iterations of his career being called irrelevant so many times and ends up being the most relevant. And as they say in the documentary, many of the comedians mention the fact that now something will come up, whether it's abortion, the Republican Party, school shootings, and there will be a George Carlin clip where he's talking about what the government's really doing to its citizens. And it's just fucking wild how right on he was many years before all of the things that we're seeing take place, took place. Yeah, he was uh, pretty good for that, wasn't he? He really was. And what's unfolding right now, as you say, many references, really, to to the environment, to race relations, to... um the Republicans, corporation, yep, corporation control of the masses, and yeah, he and that you know, and a lot of people didn't like how he ended, more or less, just sort of angry social commentator. But I loved it yeah. personally. I thought it was fantastic because you already knew how funny the guy was, and within those commentaries, there was a lot of humor. But for a lot of people, they just don't want to deal with stuff like that, so they. You know, they didn't like it, but uh, I loved it. Well, I mean, certainly, you know, for someone that started off so many years, you know, I, I listen, I love George Carlin. I mean, sorry, I love Richard Pryor. And I love Bill Cosby and I love Steve Martin, but George Carlin and, and Pryor, too, he was sort of similar times. George Carlin, along with Lenny Bruce and a few others, basically invented the form of stand-up comedy. And you know who's one of his biggest fans in the documentary? You can just see it and hear it in his voice is Seinfeld. Because Seinfeld loved the precision of George Carlin's words. Mm -hmm. And you can just, you know, yes, the commentary, some not wasn't everyone's cup of tea, but Jerry's you know, the few times he's featured in this documentary talks about the precision, the the fact that every word was chosen and every word had a reason to be in there. But uh, the fact but, that he was so smart is ridiculous. 
and the the amazing thing about um, Seinfeld's spin is he was so uncarlin when it came to content. And, yes, uh, and you know, Jerry rarely swears, if ever, and really stays away from uh, social issues as well. But you understand, Carlin, three mm-hmm. versions of Carlin ago, right. was all about yes. a place for my stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's what Jerry was commenting on, the precision of a place for my stuff. The, the observational comedy right. of George Carlin is what basically, as Seinfeld said, it was responsible for him wanting to be him because he saw mm-hmm. it and went, oh, that's something that I not only admire, but I think I could do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That social commentary of Carlin, and we'll get to the gun thing here in a second. I mean, they, just all of that. It's abortion. It's guns. It's being, you know, the irony of the Republican Party and their whole keep government out of your, you know, keep government out of the citizenry. Like, that's such bullshit because they're, mm-hmm. they're all about regulations for human beings, just not for ideas. And the hypocrisy of religion and oh, God. Yeah. Huge yeah. on that. Like at the time, I mean, he you know he would lose a lot of fans through that. Yeah, you know the 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 usual suspects, but that stuff was brilliant because he loves you. Yeah, <laughs> he's all right. Oh yeah, yeah. That, there's so many routines you're gonna love, and again, George Carlin brought up Catholic. You know, understood the religious and the thing about Carlin too. And I just said it as a passing is how smart he was. Really, really, really smart. Uh, not and not educated. The circumstances of his life just sort of led him to be interested in words and how they were strung together. But it was the ideas that he was early, early deep thinker on all these things. Well, we said it before. You know. Is there any such thing as a stupid, good comic or successful comic? I mean, to do what he did, you had to be brilliant. What what Seinfeld does, you have to be brilliant. Look at Jon Stewart. Yeah, he's featured in this a bit, yeah. Yeah, intelligence, you know, is above comedy. It really is. And from that intelligence comes the comedy in so many of those guys, you know? Look at you. Yeah, yeah, I'm so smart. Well, you're a smart guy, and from the smart comes the funny. Mm-hmm. Well, look at you. You're the smartest guy I know. Well, here's oh, the yeah. thing about you. Yeah, you're pretty much one of the... Well, you and my older brother. I used to have another friend who was smart, but he won't talk to us anymore because of you. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, but you're... The thing about our... Let's just talk about Humble and Friend for a second. But the thing about our show that those fucking dunderheads never really got is that a lot of what made us attractive to people is they understood we were kind of doing a bit of a parody of morning right. guys. Yes. Without, and that's the funny thing is the, the, the ones that they admired were just old-fashioned, you know, jocks. And like you and I spoke on the weekend about another very popular disc jockey, and I said to you, he's never been funny. He's not smart enough to be funny. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. Totally agree. Yes. And there's a lot of that as well. 
mean, you look it at the people. Like, I was going to say, you look at the people that were we were surrounded by. How smart the Jamie Watsons and the Pete Cunos and the Jason Bars and the Sandra Plagakis's. The kind of intelligence mm-hmm. those people had. They got us. They got the show. Yeah. And I always said that to people. You know, I used to sort of do this bit when I'd say, "Okay, listen to our show." And I know Stern said this, but I used to say it at the time. It's going to take you a while to get what we're doing. It's not first day because mm-hmm. at first you're going to think, oh, they're just talking about farts and stuff. But we weren't. Mm-hmm. The, the, the audio stuff we played, the, the goo head intelligence, there was just a there was a vibe about the show. I used to say to people, give it a few days because I say when you get it, you're going to love it because it's like being on the inside of a joke. You know, and even though it affects your career severely, as it did us. You know, in retrospect, looking back, not having the competence of that one guy individual is sort of, at, in the end, a badge of honor. Oh, yeah. Now, yeah, absolutely. Because he affected us and then was in, instrumental in the, you know, in the, in the cover-ups and the enabling. And, and then, as I said, years, 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 years later in Peterborough, he's standing at my door giving me morning show ideas. And I'm thinking... That's ridiculous. Like, that is so cheesy. <laughs> I'm not even going to tell my young jock about <laughs> That's that. right. Because it's so out of date and so out of touch and so unfunny and so cheesy. And then you sit there and go, yeah, I think, yeah, we were on the right track. We were on the right track. Oh, yeah, we always were. And then, mm-hmm. then the conversation you had that you relayed to me. <clears throat> where, you know, this dude you were talking to is saying, well, yes, but he's such a great storyteller. No, he's not. He's not a fucking great storyteller. Yes, right. but uh, he's this and that. Well, no, he wasn't. You thought he was. Mm-hmm. But, you know, legacy-wise, isn't it ironic, Lennis? isn't it ironic that, you know, you and I will, won't be in the Hall of Fame, but that guy, that guy's legacy, Hall of Fame or not, is going to be a lot different than ours. Well, it's destroyed. It really is. I don't know, like, what do you do? Where do you go? And again, this isn't, you know, he wasn't caught stealing coffee, you know, from the, from the cafeteria or something. It was, this is, this is not something that you want to be part of. Yeah, I mean, and doesn't, isn't it interesting too, that no matter what your career was, like I was thinking of that guy at NBC today, uh, what's his name? Matt Lauer. Used to love Matt Lauer. I'm going to tell you that right now. I always thought he was a great broadcaster. I loved him when we'd come on Letterman, and I thought he was very good at his job. But that doesn't matter. Because when you find out what he was doing, you're like, oh, well, it doesn't fucking matter what you were doing on camera. It's not that special. And same with, uh, you know, this dude. It doesn't matter what you... And again, you know, you've said this a thousand times, and now I'll say it one more time, you know, Bullshit baffles brains, and you're only as good as your call letters. And for some reason, the call letters of 102.1 The Edge didn't hold as much weight with these fuckers as the call letters of those other stations. Because if they had, and I say this respectfully, we'd be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And by the way, this goes to those other dudes, too, the Bartrams and all these guys. They just never really got what we were doing. But the audience did, and that always made me feel good. I, I knew the audience got us. There just wasn't enough of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, 
Uh, it's just amazing we're sitting here at this point talking about this. And uh, what, what, and what, what keeps coming back is what took so long? You know? Yeah. And, 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 and people have said to us that we, and I mentioned this the other day, well, you guys knew, why didn't you say something? Well, number one, we weren't in the building anymore. Number two, the people involved begged us not to say anything, you in particular, because they were afraid for the future of the job. And of course, you have to respect that. Mm-hmm. You do. Well, and one person in particular, the, my, the closest the person I'm closest to, she was only there for a short time and then shipped mm-hmm. out. Like yeah. she was when she made her complaint, it was basically dealt with this way. Mm-hmm. OK, let's get her out of the building. Great. That guy's going to be at the fucking convention in the next couple of weeks. I just love to run into him and go, so we're pieces of shit, but you knew this was going on. And your response was, let's get her out of the building. And I know you said, let's cut her pay. So that's your legacy. And now promoting young broadcaster of the year in Canada. Anyway, when the spirits of so many young broadcasters were crushed, during that regime, several regimes. As I said, when I was talking to uh, one of the, uh, what I would say, one of the key players, um, was there was, again, there, there's so much that, that could have been done, but passing the buck was the way to go at the time. And, you know, put yourself in that position. I don't think I would have done the same thing. You know, you're just sort of living in the moment. You're living off those ratings. You're looking at the revenues. Yeah, the easiest thing to do is just try and get around it or bury it, I guess. Yeah. Because nobody wants to. There's another part of this business that I saw and lived through. You go to people with problems, and they don't want it to appear that it's happening under their watch. I have, That happened to me in Peterborough a couple of times. It was like, geez. I'm going to bring something to them. It might cost somebody their job, but it's got to be done. And then you find out that nothing has happened because that guy doesn't want it to get back to Toronto, that there's something, uh, something like this happened under his watch. Right. Oh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's a, you know, it's a murky world. Here's a question. So let's say the last seven days never happened. Mm-hmm. Let's say Jennifer Valentine doesn't come out and, you know, make this statement, you know, the what would you do video, it's called. Mm-hmm. Is this still going on? Is it, is it Monday morning in Derringer World and they're all on the air? Well, of course. That's what I mean. It's like if she doesn't come forward, they hadn't done anything about it for years. They weren't going to do anything about it mm-hmm. until their hand was forced. Oh, Without a doubt. Like, I mean, that, that's a no-brainer. In her video, one of the, I don't know, whatever, you one of the, I don't know, most bizarre things I heard her say was, I went to the boss and his response was, oh, is that still going on? I thought we'd taken care of that years ago. What? That was your response to a woman who's, not, this isn't a silly little intern. This isn't somebody's fresh out of broadcast school. This is a, this is a professional, you know, television and radio presenter. And that's what I keep thinking of. You knew when that, listen, whether you thought your hands were tied in his middle management, I, you know, there's not much I could do. 
you still knew that that person was leaving the building troubled suffering suffering at the hands and i'm telling you in the stories almost sadistic you knew that and i easy for me to sit here and say it but i don't know if i could have lived with that knowing i don't know maybe i'm too emotional because i have a daughter um and you do too to think that that young woman was and not only that if you're such a great programmer and you're so into talent and you know and you can um, picture talent from a mile away, you know it's affecting their performance. Just think about that, Howard. So you just can't come and perform your duties and be a radio star and go home and do your show prep and come back and perform again. You have to go home with this burden. How does that not affect your performance? Of course. I mean, look at your own. So so I guess that's why, like, covering it up or whatever was the way to go or move them in and move them out. I heard Maureen refer to Derringer money, almost paying, like, giving you things so you'd shut up. Oh, yeah. Really? Think about what you went through. Mm -hmm. And I say you more than me. Mm -hmm. Think about what we went through for that time at the mix when we were being consulted into uh, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know we were so consulted yeah. that neither of us really knew what to do but I could always still be the disc jockey and back yeah. sell songs and say this is coming up and I could sort of do part of my job the show is wrecked but think mm-hmm. about the trepidation you had coming into work and how emotionally confused you were you couldn't perform and you weren't mm-hmm. being abused by me I mean, nope. you know, every once in a while, I've, we've been drinking. <laughs> but, no, no. Uh, no, you were encouraging. But again, I, I didn't. It was a mess. And, uh, and it, it, yeah. So when you're, when you're not thinking about, you know, writing something or uh, having a, a funny spin on something, when you're obsessed with I've got this idea, but I'm not sure it's going to be accepted. And then you're second guessing yourself when the mic goes on. You're done. You're finished. You're finished. And that's what kills me about all this stuff. All these co-hosts with Derringer. I mean, they weren't. They couldn't have been performing to their to their uh, potential. No, which is is sad in itself. Well, yeah, because they're all on survival mode. Yes. They're all on just get me through another day mode. When Jennifer Valentine referred to having to throw up before she went into the studio. Thank goodness we can take a pause from this and talk to Moose Jaw Tim. I can't tell you how excited I am that you actually were came on here. Because the last few times I'm like, cross your fingers. Is Daniel's going to show up? I don't even know if we're still in business. God damn Tim Daniels. Uh... He is in Florida. There, there, there you are. There you are. You look great, right. man. Well, thank you. I feel great. Uh, life's great. What can I say? It's all good. And uh, I, if I've missed some of my visits on your show, I no, no. apologize it's in front not, of all your viewership. <laughs> it's not you. It's us. We're just, we're, because uh, we've tried, it's mostly we've just tried to set up some, we have a couple of ideas for you and we try to set up a meeting. Um, awesome. And and I'll just say now before our official appearance, if you've got some time, even if you and I can chat, we should get yeah. together. I've got a proposition for you. I saw a guy the other day. This is I want to switch gears now. And I thought of you too. 
Because somebody asked me about my watch. They said, is that a Fitbit or whatever they called it? And I said, no, this is actually, I said, this is for, you know, to keep track of your vitals. And I said, you know, one of the guys knew I'd had some trouble with my heart. And I said, you know, I didn't have one of these just after I got out of the hospital. I wish I I did because I was driving myself to shoppers to get my blood pressure checked every other day. But here's the thing I wanted to run by you too. Because, you know, Fred and I have lost some weight. I've lost about 15 pounds. So has he. Tim's obviously... Yeah, we, it's taken five months. But I'm, we're in better shape than we were five months ago. You're in decent to great shape all the time. Here's the thing. I played golf the other day with somebody. This was on Thursday in a pretty high-level tournament. And he's a very, very good golfer. 67 years old. Really wow. good player. But I got to tell you, I've never... He had that, that guy gut that you get... Yes. Where it starts at your sternum and it kind of creates this, you know, it looks like the top of a VW bug. (laughs) You know what I mean? You know, that image of just sort of this circular thing. And I remember thinking to myself, man, this guy is strong and, you know, very still very and has energy. But that can't be good. That now, kind of gut no, that, fat. That visceral fat is yes. called. You know, and, and for guys like us, so, you know, uh, males in our age group, carrying your weight from, let's say, you, you know, mid chest to your belly button is the absolute worst. It's the absolute worst. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, with a lot of us, um, when we carry it that way, it's relatively easy to hide it. You know, you can put on 10, 15 pounds and not even really notice it or nobody else around you you really notices it because it kind of just gets, you know, hidden under the shirt and all that kind of stuff. But it's it's absolutely the worst for your cardio health uh, to have that visceral fat. Much better, you know, you see some of these these guys with, you know, the big lard asses or, or the jelly legs and so on, and it looks horrible, but that's actually much healthier for you if, if you if you're uh, you know prone to carry your 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 fat uh, lower on your body than you know that that you know chest to belly button section which is where I carry mine and so I I learned long ago that it's a whole lot easier for me to stay in shape than to get back into shape yes. and so you know. Um, and, and, and again, like most of us, I'm just, a, I'm a creature of habit and anything that I can force myself to do for a couple of weeks, I, after that, I do it without even thinking about it. And if I don't do it, then I really miss it. Mm-hmm. So for me getting out for, you know, my, my daily or, or, you know, five time a week run for an hour. Um, if I, if, you know, if I go a few days without it, I just say something's off, you know, and I say, oh yeah, I haven't, I, I haven't got my run in for the last couple of days and so you know i i I find that i'm able to you know uh train my brain um to uh uh, um uh, to get into good habits rather than 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 the plethora of bad habits if i've learned anything in the last little while um it's the importance of weighing yourself every day as well yeah yeah it really is i mean howard said that to me my wife said that to me Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah. when we got involved with the Noom program, that's like that's job one. Very, very important, because if you're up eight tenths of a pound, it's a lot easier to spend the next day or so getting rid of that than not exactly. getting on a scale for two months and having to lose eight or nine pounds. Very exactly. Tim Daniels, do, do you weigh yourself every day or you don't even you don't think you have to? I mean, you're in the, you're in great shape. So, 
Yeah, I, um, it, this time of year, you know, now that we're into, you know, like 35 degrees each day and so on, I, I actually am reaching the point where I have the opposite problem where yeah. mm-hmm. keeping my weight up <laughs> yes. is, uh, is more of a challenge. You know, I'm going to tell you something. I, I, gotta be, I have the same, you know, listen, I've lost more weight than I actually meant to. I was down to 177 a few weeks ago, and I didn't want to be that low. I want to be around 180. So I actually sure. added, and, and now this is the most active time of the year for me. I'm playing golf five days a week i'm outside every day i'm really i'm still doing my workouts and going to yoga and i'm like i can't keep the weight on i know it sounds weird but i've tried to i've tried to put it back on a little bit i've just added a few hundred more calories a day Mm -hmm. because but that's the whole idea is that if you're not expending energy and what you said too freddie about keeping track if you step on the scale and you're like, Jesus, I'm 15 pounds heavier than I thought, as you said, Tim, it's harder to get to do that than to, if you're up a little bit, just take it easy. Um, again, we're, we're talking around the watch, but we'll get to the watch in a second. Yeah, sure. But Fred, you're absolutely right. And I read a, a really good article about that just the other day where they were you know, talking about that myth. A lot of the, the weight loss programs, they say, you know, for God's sakes, whatever you do, don't step on the scale. It'll just discourage you and all that kind of horseshit Mm -hmm. it's the exact opposite get it in your face you know you should know um and measure yourself at you know at the same time every day so i like to to you know i get out of bed you you know six o'clock ish and uh um first thing i do is get on that scale and so it's a you know it's a constant so um, i'm measuring myself in you know at the same time in the same fashion every day me too and and you know it becomes a a, Mm -hmm. a constant against which to measure Mm -hmm. and it really shows you just you know like howard said you you know you you know if you're you're up a a pound or two okay now you know do something now don't wait until it's you know, a dozen pounds and then, you know, oh, maybe I should do something about it. So you're absolutely right. Get on that scale each day and and, uh, and get it in your face. Don't ignore it. Don't, mm-hmm. you know, just, just you know, yeah. make it a, a part of your 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 psyche. You know that it's there. You know, you're carrying that, that extra weight and, you know, you're determined to do something about it. So. And, and, you know, the, I, there's a couple of guys I know and love and they're when you're 40, 50 pounds, 60 pounds overweight, I get it. Yeah. It's such an overwhelming job in front of you. Yeah. But you need that day one, man. You just yeah. day one. And then day two. You know, there's no other know, the, there's no other there's no no other game plan. That's right. Exactly. You know, the journey of a thousand miles starts the same way with one step. Mm -hmm. That's it. No, there's no magic. It's just, you know, get off the couch, put down the food, Mm -hmm. get out and do something that you enjoy. And that's the key. It's got to be something that you enjoy, something that you look forward to. um, Because, you know, we're we're, we're not idiots. (laughs) If you hate something and if you really don't look forward to doing it, how are you going to make that a part of a new lifestyle? 100%. You know, it's, it's not going to happen. So you can find something you enjoy, whatever it is, you know, just a, a brisk walk with your dog or get on the golf course, whatever it is. But but find something you enjoy and make it a part of your regular routine. You know, and it's funny. I, I'm going to show you this so you can tell I've been wearing the watch because you can see my little watch tan there. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I played yesterday. I played quite a bit. I played uh, Wednesday, Thursday. Saturday, Sunday, 
and I walked all the time. And you know, yesterday when I was done, the first thing I look at is what did the how many steps did the watch give me? Because in the Noom app that we use, that's another thing. What we're talking about, folks, is accountability. And, and measurement. And that's what, you know, Noom is great for that. You know, it makes you accountable to the amount of food you're eating. And the Phoenix Watch from Health Gauge gives you measurement, not just your heart rate, not just your blood pressure, but it measures your activity levels. And you guys have some alarm set that I don't. But, you know, you can have an alarm set for when your temperature gets too hot. But I'm, it's funny how you, what Tim said about building habits. So it's just become habitual for me. When I finish my workout, I check my watch. I want to see what my calorie energy burn was. And yesterday, again, I'm putting my clubs away. And I, I rem- I'm like, oh, yeah, I get to see, did I get past 10,000 steps? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's funny because I played with a guy. He's a great guy. I played with him on Wednesday. He's got a higher handicap than me, and he he tends to. There's a lot of golf ball looking. I get up to twelve because <laughs> I play. You know, I'm pretty consistent, but I play with him. I got up to twelve thousand steps, and I was like, Jesus, what? Oh, that's right, because I was going back and forth all day long looking for his golf balls. But my, but my, absolutely. But my point is, it's become habitual. And that's what the watch gives you. It gives you habitual accountability and measurement. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly right. And, and you know what? We're at that time of year. I mean, we've been there for a while over here in Italy where every day now it's in like the mid 30s. Nice. The other day I was sitting in my car. I think my, the temperature gauge in my car registered like 38. All right. So so here it's getting good and hot. But in other parts of the world, you know, you're just kind of getting into that that nice, warm springtime weather. And a lot of people for the first time and four or five, six months are getting off the couch and, you know, looking at their golf clubs or their, their bike collecting dust saying, ah, maybe I should do something. That's great. But also, you know, those first couple of weeks, take it easy. And that's something where, you know, a health gauge uh, can be a, a, a tremendous benefit to um, make sure your vitals are doing okay before you get out there and really, stress yourself that you know for that first month or so in the season so. yeah and that's a mistake i made traditionally you overdo it early and then yeah. you you get turned off you just yeah. you can't yeah. do that one other observation and message i could convey to people of my age 65 i'm going to be 66 mm-hmm. is the older i get whether you like it or not and i'm probably way less now than i have in years sure things get a little harder because i'm 66 yeah no. Well, not everything gets a little harder, but some things do. <laughs> yeah, some things get spongy. <laughs> There's a definite sponge happening. Yeah. No, but the thing is, things get a little harder to do. It's just the aging process. Why would you want to add 30 or 40 pounds to that? See, this, this, is, this is what me, has me conscious of weight now. Yeah. Because yeah. I can't imagine... You know, just slowly growing old and then just compounding it by carrying around... 40 or 30 or 40 pounds. It just makes Try no sense. Try this little experiment. Try it for two hours, and it, I guarantee it'll open your eyes towards, you know, the, the, the need to keep your weight down to a, you know, to a good workable weight. Take a backpack, throw 20 pounds into it, yeah. and just go about your day for, the, yeah. for two hours. And at the end of two hours, you're going to be saying, holy shit, this thing mm-hmm. is heavy. That's mm-hmm. like 
carrying 20 pounds of fat around yeah. your midsection. No, that's true. Absolutely. The exact same thing. And, 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 you know, once you come to that realization, you'll say, you know, how much better will I feel if I, you know, drop that unnecessary fat uh, that I'm just lugging around like a useless backpack? And, and you know what? Again, just to finish this off, healthgauge.com, Humble Fred HG for 15% off at checkout, as always. But, you know, you said something, too, about, you know, it's it's there's enough going on. And I said this to my the guy that I train with. I said, I'm I accept that there's a, a certain amount of pain and discomfort I'm going to feel, but I'm going to continue. I've been working out with this guy three times, almost three times a week for five months. Yeah, there are some days my shoulder hurts and my back's a bit sore. But overall, if you're not doing anything, it's worse than having a little bit of aches and pains from doing something because your overall health is improved. And that's what health gauge uh, is so good at reminding us. If you get to watch now, you get 15% off. Humble Fred HG at healthgauge.com. You just let me know. I got a couple minutes uh, in about 45 minutes. Do you? Uh, no, unfortunately, I'm going you to suck. call right after this. So <laughs> drop me a line and uh, in the next couple of days. Okay, let's, let's uh, figure it out. All right. Back. Well, listen, and I, and I have Maybe got. we should just fly over, Howard. Well, yeah. Do you want yeah, me to be face to face? Listen, Matt, I would come over there in a second because I was there in the fall. I can't even imagine. The uh, attractiveness factor must be very high there in the summertime. I've been in Italy when it's in the 30s. It's wonderful. It oh, really man. Um, I got, and plus, there's some personal stuff I want to catch up, uh, catch you up on as well, okay? Perfect. perfect. All right, man. There's Tim right, Daniels. Guys, always a pleasure. Being oh, on. great talking to you. From Musha to Milan, it's Tim uh, <laughs> from Miami to Florence. The Daniels story continues. HealthGage.com. Thanks, buddy. Cheers, guys. Have a good day. Uh, Tim Daniels is here uh, as a, uh, you know, part of the Health Gauge uh, family. Uh, but I also would like to point out, Fred, there's other people that help us uh, bring you the program each and every day. Like our buddy, the retirement Sherpa. Okay, Tim is licensed on both sides of the border. Know that. So that's very valuable because we have listeners both sides of the border. Tim, a portfolio manager. Raymond James, a member of the Canadian Investors Protection Fund. Uh, Tim will be by Wednesday with uh, more information. You know, it's been a volatile time in the markets. And again, when you have a guy like Tim, you know, he can sort of talk you off the ledge, so to speak, uh, because there's ups and downs and it's all about the long haul. And he'll explain that to you very clearly, very concisely. He's the retirement Sherpa, Tim Niblett, retirementsherpa.ca. I don't know if you guys have noticed... But gambling seems to be uh, illegal here in Ontario. It's Ontario, my friend. DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook, has arrived. You can legally bet on all your favorite sports from MMA to hockey to playoff hoops and so much more. Bet special parlays, spreads, money lines, and more. Plus, do it now from anywhere in the province. Join the action, download the app, and explore everything DraftKings Sportsbook has to offer. Get excited, Ontario. DraftKings Sportsbook is live, so go to the App Store now and download the Sportsbook app that is offering two-to-one odds on a hockey team to score a goal every day in May. you got a couple days left only at DraftKings Sportsbook. 
Facebook. 19 plus, physically present in Ontario. Eligibility restrictions apply. See sportsbook.draftkings.com for details. Gambling problem? Call Connex Ontario, 1-866-531-2600. Please play responsibly. Uh, Freddie, uh, I think this is your friend. Our friend uh, has called back using his phone. I've tried to explain that we are... No. <laughs> Can you send him a note? Because I've sent him a note to say, Mike, we're going to try it again some other day before yeah. I... It's a 604 number. You've got it, right? I believe. But, yeah, I believe. Because I'm removing him from this. Mm-hmm. No, no, I admitted him by mistake. I thought I was removing him, but I admitted him. Mike, are you there? Well, we just, we just got to start from scratch another day. Yeah, Mike. Yep, no yeah. problem. Yeah, I'm sorry. Did you not get that message I just sent you, pal? I did not. Sorry. Okay, but Because uh, I'm on a phone, so I didn't see a text or anything Oh, like I see. Well, we'll try it again some other day, Mike Hannafin. You're a nice person, okay? No problem at all. And you know what? I, I actually was using a mouse, just so Dan knows. <laughs> yeah, right nice. on. I like this guy even That's better. That's awesome. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> Fucking mice. <laughs> Appreciate we'll talk you, to you Mike. Guys soon. I hope so. Stay and man. stay safe and well. And all the best. I And good luck with your mom. I understand that she's not doing great, yeah, but uh, all the best I'll, to you, sir. I'll see her this morning. All right, buddy. Thank Take you very care. much. Bye bye. All right. There's Mike Hannafin. He's a sweet man. Look at Dan Duran sitting out. Outside, have you had your naked okay. dip already, there, Danny? No, it hasn't happened yet. No, right. haven't done the dip, right. dip this week. Yeah, so uh, planning on dipping later, but uh, won't be naked because there's people around now, right? So okay. everybody heard after the power's on that the sun's out and uh, they're arriving. So yeah, yeah, just keep your wiener to yourself. Oh, <laughs> no, everybody heard you might be having a skinny dip. That's why they're arriving. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's so what happened then. Yeah. yeah. It's a, like a, like a science project. So, you know, when we're away for the three or four days now that we have these long weekends in the summer, and if you haven't heard, everybody, we're basically going to do three live shows a week until after Labor Day when old Grampies uh, will come back to the four-day-a-week, maybe. Anyway, I, I, I just sort of take some notes when I see things that I thought, I thought you two would find amusing, especially in our age group. So I'm seeing this... Um, Advertisement and it's a very sort of stylized. It was probably during a network broadcast, and it's all these sort of elderly people in our age category. Isn't it funny? All the elderly people in these commercials all look so vibrant, healthy. Yeah, they've got gray hair, but you know, if they had just, you could see them if they just colored their hair, they probably look sort of mid forties. It's always very fit, healthy, senior, you know, Americans. You know, not the real Americans, the fat ones. <laughs> But uh, so I'm watching this commercial. I can't really figure out what it's for. And then toward the end, I realize, oh, it's a it's a commercial for a funeral company. And they want you to, you know, they're talking about making plans and not leaving these decisions up to the family. And and then the funeral company's name comes on the screen. And. I'm going to get first. What I'll do is I'll give you how it's spelled. And then you guys tell me how you think it would be pronounced. It's spelled A-M-I-G-O-N-E. How would you pronounce that? Am I gone? Am I gone? A-M-I-G-O-N-E, Fred. How would you pronounce it? Am I gone? Am I gone? 
<laughs> so I see the name of this. Oh, I'm that's like, funny. it is, but mm-hmm. it, they don't pronounce it. Am I gone? They pronounce it. Am I gone? And I'm like, right. And I practice. I froze the screen for a second. I'm like, what did I mishear that? <laughs> and I wrote it down. A M I G O N E. Am I gone? But they're pronouncing it. Am I gone? And I'm like, well, wait a second. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's not it. That's not it at all. I'm like, who pronounced "Am I Gone" is the name of the funeral company? And but I started. Maybe, maybe that's a coincidence, and that's the family name or something, and they pronounce it "Amagon." I don't but know. You but you think it's a play on words? I think like, it's a play on I words. Gone? And I was just thinking of all the other ones they could have got. Is it's uh, you know, uh, you're a dead. Y e r a d e a d. You're a dead. Call you're a dead funeral parlors. <laughs> Fuck me, I laughed. Amagon. Are you really Amagon? Anyways, those are just a couple of little uh, things I thought. You know, I'll tell that to Dan and Fred, and they'll find that somewhat amusing. That may be a marketing thing. It begins with an A, which is somewhat sometimes significant, right? Because right. you're at the top of the list. Yes, or whatever. yeah, exactly. And then the play on words, it's like, you know, people like us talking about it. Yeah. So. Or remember it, yeah. Am I gone? Remember it, yeah. Who should we call? Should we call Am I Gone or You're So Fucking Dead? I think I (laughs) am so dead. Should we call I So Dead? I So Dead. (laughs) It's missing a question mark though, right? Mm -hmm. That's right. Am I gone? I think so. (laughs) Am I dead? Perhaps. It's very Carlin esque. Am I dead? It's funny after watching three hours of George Carlin over a couple of days. You know, you're just reminded not only how brilliant he is, but you start to sort of get that Carlin, you know, rhythm, rhythm in your voice. Because everything you be- was you like You become this. Carlin. He was up and down, and then he was down here. And he did this thing. And it, it's just, it was wild. His, they, and again, the comics talking about not only his brilliance as a writer, but just, the, you know, um, there's a great story I'll tell you quickly. Bill Burr, who is one of my favorite comedians. Mm-hmm. This was back in the early 80s. And he said, so we go to see George Carlin. We see he's playing near us. And there was a bunch of stand-up comics that were sort of, by that time, Carlin was old news and he was the old school guy. And they went to see him almost to mock him. It was such a great story the way Bill Burr told it. He goes, yeah, we went there almost to kind of like make fun of him. Anyway, and then they show the special. And it's one of his first HBO specials. And he said, anyway, we go there and we're expecting this old, out of touch, you know, hippie dippy weatherman and then he pauses and he goes carlin comes out and it was like a howitzer and he said we're all just watching it we're like who the fuck is this guy like they're they were just so blown away in that he was so much better than they thought he was going to be and he said so much better than all of us he was quite humbled by the experience i just loved it what I think about when I see Carlin, you know, when he runs, what do you call that when you run all those words together that sort of sound the same? And uh, yeah, that, I don't know, just the what's what's the alliteration? What is yeah, that? like that Automat- automatopoeia? No, no, alliteration. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay. Listen. So, you know, you're um, rehearsing that, you're yes. practicing that, but then you walk out on a stage. And the arena or the theater is full, and you got to pull it off. That's a special breed, man. Because oh, yeah. some of the some of the raps that he came out with, it's like, how could he do that? How can he remember every one of those words and run them together like that? And so effective. But one little blip would erect it. 
Well, he talks a little bit about that, about how much rehearsal he did, memorizing his own material. Yeah. And listen, I, I, I'm going to say, I, obviously, no comparison, but there are, yeah. there are stuff that I do where if I'm going to do a show, I have to rehearse the particular order of the things in the bit because, as you said, if they're a little bit out of order, it's going to screw up the, the joke. But I have one or two things where I need to get the words precise. The rest of it is just like, <clears throat> spit it out. Listen, you're too modest. Like, you're known as Canada's Carlin. <laughs> That's right. People say, you know, he's yeah. Canada's hey, he's he's Canada's Hebrew Carlin. That's right. That's who he well, is. I'm going to see. Oh, I'm going to see Canada's Carlin. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Moose Jaw George is what they call me. Uh, anyway, Canada's uh, network sweetheart, of course, is Dan Duran. And it's almost time for Dan Duran's news. But I found a special version of the Dan Duran Anchorman song. Oh, and I would like to play it for you, Dan. If you're old, I know you like to. So for you people who don't know, it's like, no. uh, here's to a fella named Dan Duran, a hell of a guy with a hella big wang, the quintessential anchor man. His voice is. OK, like- so that's how we normally do the news. But maybe today only eh, once in a while, we'll throw this in. Here's a special version of that. There you go. And now live from a placid lake scene prior to taking his schlong for a swim (laughs) with Humble and Fred News. Here's anchorman Dan Duran. Since our last broadcast, Putin's Ukrainian war is still on. The January 6th commission is still on. Trump wouldn't dance at the still-on NRA convention. And there were 14 more U.S. mass shootings after the Texas school shooting. But did you hear about this? Mona Lisa was creamed yesterday by a man. What? What? Yes. uh, He took pastry cream and smeared it on the protective glass that's uh, in front of the Mona Lisa in the Louvre. But get this. To get close, the man disguised himself as an old lady with a wig and lipstick, arrived at the Louvre in a wheelchair, so he got upfront access, jumped out of the chair, tried to smash the glass, threw candy at it, and then smeared pastry cream on the glass. It <laughs> <laughs> said, said, and said, think of the earth. There are people who are destroying the earth. Think about it. Ours tell you, think of the earth. That's why I did this. As they took him away. Mm-hmm. Away. <laughs> yeah. We got a little bit of risque, Dan, there, you know, because that sort of headline led us to believe something else happened. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Little splooge kind of experience. Oh, Dan. Dan. Oh, come yeah, on, Dan. Let's that's try and keep see where you're going with that. What yeah. the you know, hell? The fact, um, the hold on. Sorry. No, I, uh, you know, talking to Tim Daniels and talking about being in Italy when it's warm. And, you know, you look back over your life and I've been pretty lucky, like with where I've been able to travel. And I've actually stood there and looked at that, uh, that painting. And uh, it's weird because it's a lot smaller than you think. I hear that. It's mm. what's it like? Uh, that's like Dan's. Like that's like Dan Schlong. <laughs> like it's not like a what you think is a big painting. You I know. would say it's like uh, you know, 
you know, maybe a foot by a couple of feet. Like, it's just a little portrait. It's it's crazy. And then it's behind the glass. And yeah, it's cool. I'm going to... Uh, Dan, have you been to the Louvre? I, I've been to Louvre, but I, didn't, I don't remember seeing the, the Mona Lisa. I think it was closed uh, when I was... Because I'm going there in the fall. I'm going to go see the Mona Lisa. I'm going to... I've never been to Paris. I'm going to check that out for a few days. I'm going to go hang out with my buddy Lumby there. Yeah. Oh, you got to do that. Yeah, I'm going to do it. That's one yeah. of those things. Because that's it. Because I'm, I'm not going back after that. I'm not going back to do that after. Yeah, got to hang out by the glass pyramid a little bit just so you got that uh, in you. Okay. Yeah. Um, whatever you do, don't go to the Leaning Tower of Pisa and take a picture pretending you're, you're holding, holding it up. up. Yeah, I won't Please do that. Please don't. Please yeah. um, guys, uh, lots of stuff on the show today, and uh, let's not forget that these people are helping us, too. During your commute again, do you find yourself living at work instead of working from home? Couldn't this have been an email? When it feels like all that's left is work hard, you know it's time to play. It's easy to find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Play free casino games, get poker tips, and check out the latest sports odds. Visit Bodog.net today. Hashtag make a play. Uh, and now continuing with the Dan Duran news with more. Here's a hell of big wang. Quintessential Lanker man. His voice is mild and low. At the end of No Mo May, we go to Smith Falls, Ontario, where Beth and Craig Sinclair, who were bylawed into a legal lawn fight, have won. Trying to make a difference for the ecology, they research the benefits of naturalized lawns. They came from Seattle. They show up in uh, Smith Falls, been there for quite a number of years, and they decided to naturalize their lawn. They planted and even informed the town uh, about their plan, planted 150 trees and other native species in, their, in front of their house. But that didn't stop numerous visits from bylaw officers who told them their bird feeders were too close to the ground, among other things. And uh, then they found out that their... Their lawn ended up on the council agenda, accompanied by a 17-page report that detailed neighbors' complaints and recommended they be required to tame the yard. So a council agreed, and an order was issued, and then they went to court. They lost the first round and then appealed to the Ontario Superior Court about this. Jesus. Wow. And, and earlier this month, the town backed down and rescinded the original order. They were just trying to help the environment, get more mm. pollinators out there, do something a little different than, you know, your green grass uh, lawn with uh, no dandelions in it. Yeah, but, you know, birds are dirty. Mm. <laughs> yeah. They are. That would bug me a bit. Would it? Yeah, it would. Absolutely. Birds shit all over. Even on my back patio here. When I have to take the hose out and hose off mm, the bird Terrible. Shit, Mm. Oh, Howard. You know, when I hear about the struggle you go through, thoughts and prayers, Fred. <laughs> thoughts and prayers. <laughs> of course. Yeah, it's the like struggle. They, oh, And then they see me out there hosing it down, and then I really believe they doubt target me. <laughs> oh, no, they are. Yeah, they do. Oh, yes. They do. They all get up on those wires over there, and they have their little chirping sounds. Okay, let's get them now. And it's like, you know, it's like an Air Force. Oh, yeah. It's like the bird. There's shit all over my patio. It's like the bird Luftwaffe. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> you, you may need some uh, counseling there because if you think the birds oh, are yeah. against you, they are. Well, they're everyone's against us, Dan, as you know. Oh, yes. Oh, right. Yeah, but, well, there uh, is that. Uh, yeah, thoughts and prayers to Fred for having to hose down his deck. I mean, it's terrible. <laughs> but would that bug you if your neighbors started to plant trees and uh, you know just pull out their lawn and you know put rocks and flowers and? No, no, I'd have to see it. There's a guy around the corner here that did that. It looks like shit. It just looks all ratty and, you know, great. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't have to cut your lawn, but I have to look at your uh, ratty looking. Mm, so at the same time being targeted by birds. Mm. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, guys, guys, guys. Um, yes. Do you enjoy? I enjoy the odd burger. I think you two do as well. You know, I had one last night. Uh, I had a, a nice burger the other day. I didn't have a cheeseburger. Dan, do you like a cheeseburger? I prefer a burger with cheese. If I'm having a burger, it's got to have some cheese on it. Well, if you live in the Americas, you got to watch out because the government is planning to zap people inside their bodies if they eat real cheeseburgers. This according to an elected member of Congress. I have to accept the fact that the government totally wants to provide surveillance on every part of your life. They want to know when you're eating. They want to know if you're eating a cheeseburger, which is very bad because Bill Gates wants you to eat his fake meat that grows in a peach tree dish. By the way, that's a peach tree dish, which uh, scientists... A lot of scientists are using they, a lot. It, it used to be they would use petri dishes, but right. the new scientists are using peach tree dishes. Just so we're it's, all up to date. It's more natural. It's, it's more natural. natural. They hollow out a peach and then they put their experiments inside. So let's continue with an elected member of Congress in America. Very bad because Bill Gates wants you to eat his fake meat that grows in a peach tree dish. So you'll probably get a little zap inside your body and that's saying, no, no, don't eat a real cheeseburger. You need to eat the fake, the fake burger, the fake meat from Bill Gates. Um, They probably also want to know when you go to the bathroom and if you're Bowel movements are mm-hmm. are on time or consistent. I mean, what else do these people want to know? Now, one thing about, and again, we haven't had a whole American dump festival, but I'll just say this. There, I, I don't know, I can't say this for 100%, but I don't think there's a Canadian politician alive that would, would go on camera and talk about how Bill Gates is controlling the meat, the fake meat, and it's going to zap you uh, to make so that you don't want to eat real meat anymore. That's a woman who got elected by other human beings. Right, right. And that's a great point. See, Canada, there may be people that think that, but it's not good politics or good business to say it because there's not enough whack jobs that would buy in. Yeah. It just shows you down there. They do their math and they figure it out. You know, whatever her constituency is or whatever her jurisdiction is, she's figured it out. Say those things will help me get elected it's uh crazy times is that all or is there more uh that's all uh, i have at this point dan uh, you may want to follow up uh but i the will fa- yeah wow. but uh, again a lot of the scientists now are hollowing out peaches uh, <laughs> and doing their experiment inside a peach tree dish now there's, I, there's, see, I was just gonna say there's a, there's a lot of uh conspiracy theory around consuming something or putting something in your body and being monitored these mm-hmm. days is there which, are there that's fantastic well there's the vaccine you know mm-hmm. with the little chips and stuff yeah but, anyone got know. and now by the way that fucking alex jones is back on talking about you know again all the usual suspects talking about the guns and 
But uh, yeah. I was going to say that's that's Marjorie Taylor Greene for you people who don't know that she's also the one that uh, theorized that the Jews have a space laser that we're using to start forest fires. And as I said to you at the time, that's true though. Well, no, but <laughs> I'm telling you guys, wink, wink. But as I told the regular people, if the Jews had a space laser, we'd never shut up about it. Yeah, you know. Um. <laughs> My son invented a space laser. It starts fires. Mm. Oh, did he? Hey, you know, when we left off on Wednesday, remember I was mentioning the I'm concerned about copycatting in Canada. Okay. It yes. all comes from Donald Trump. It all comes from Donald Trump. I don't give a shit what anyone says. You know, you talk about the great enablers. But did you see what happened that very day in Toronto? They shot that 20-year-old kid carrying, it was just an air rifle, but in front of a school in Toronto. And police were called, and they had to shoot the guy. But uh, the very day, we have to deal with that in Toronto. Thank goodness it didn't go any farther than that. But this is the stuff that concerns me. And this is when you see it in the United States, you think, yeah, they're crazy. But again, it just creeps up on me that it's such a small world, and people see that stuff, and they do it. It's become a copycat world with that shit. Yeah, but uh, thank goodness that we're not at the level of, you know, we're not. Mm-hmm. I, I, there's so much about it. I don't know if we have time at the end of the show here, but I'll just say that, you know, I, I peeked in on a lot of that U.S. stuff in the aftermath of a shooting. As Dan mentioned, there's been many more shootings since then. The fact that they can't even agree that an 18 year old shouldn't be able to buy an assault rifle. That's the AR. They, they don't seem to be able to even agree that that seems odd. But here's something I found that uh, is scary. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's uh, the guy in, how do you pronounce it? Uval, Uvalde? The guy in Uvalde, Buffalo, Parkland, Newtown, Charleston, Atlanta, and Isla Vista. These are all the most recent shooters. You know what they all have in common? Well, first of all, they're all white fucking guys, but uh, they're all young men between 18 and 24. Like Mm -hmm. all those mass shootings recently were all committed by young men in that age group. Did you know in the United States, a mass shooting, I think, is is a two plus or three plus, whatever it is. Um, There were more mass shootings in the United States than last year than there are days in the year. Hmm. So more than 365. I don't know exactly what the number was. Yeah. But when it was put that way, it's like, you know, hey, it's Tuesday. We can count on at least one today. Yeah. You know, if and, and the thing about so, you know, again, I don't want to get into the police and how they fucked up and all the other stuff. And they, then one of their last week, the one of the biggest issues was what uh, Beto O'Rourke interrupted a press conference. It would turn out to be mm-hmm. bullshit anyway. But uh, the fact that 19 little baby kids. And these are babies, you know, and these are like your grandkids age. 19 of them were killed, plus two teachers. And I said to somebody on the weekend, I said, how many kids would have to be killed before somebody would say, okay, well, that's enough? Because it doesn't seem 19's the number. I said, what if it was, what, 190 be enough kids in one time? Like, what would be enough for the NRA and the Republicans to kind of go, you know what, maybe checking 
the background of somebody buying an AR-15, maybe that's a good place to start. But the fact they won't even have that conversation is what's really broken about the system. Howard, they still had that convention this weekend in Texas where it happened. Yeah. And Donald Trump showed up. So on, on some level, there wasn't one person to say, you know what? Maybe we should just cancel this or postpone it. No, they dug their heels in. And then a pig like Trump, not only does he show really, well, bullshit remorse, then he actually goes to it and then says a speech. And the first things out of his mouth is, you know, the mental illness thing, yeah. um, you know, our Second Amendment. And it keeps coming back to that Second Amendment. When the Second Amendment was written, those founding fathers did not have an AR-15 in their mind. Like, adapt, adjust. Evolve, you stupid bastards. You know, the mental illness argument is fair yeah. is a fair one to have. It, there are mentally ill people out there, so dot 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 let's not sell them guns. <laughs> Howard. <laughs> yeah. The Western world per capita has pretty much the same mental illness problem. I've heard that, yeah, I love that. Right? Yep. We all have mental illness. All yeah like the G7, G20, whatever you want to talk, we all have about the same per capita mental illness problems. It's not unique to any of us. But why do they have all the shootings? So it's great. Yeah, mental illness is a thing, but that goes hand in hand with the access to guns by those mentally ill people. You just don't have it in Canada. You just don't have it in a lot of other civilized countries. And when these bastards just dig in their heels... To try and prove whatever it is they're trying to prove, I guess it always comes back to money. It's just disgusting. But none of them want to answer that question. Uh, if you want to be really disgusted, mm-hmm. so Trump mm-hmm. goes and speaks at this NRA rally, which was, again, ridiculous. I, I, I asked that question. How many children would have had to have been killed right. before they say, okay, now out of respect for the 190, not the 19? Because right. for me, 19 seems a, a pretty outrageous number. So yeah. Trump's up there and he reads the names of these children. And then a few seconds later, I guess wrapping it up, they play some music as transition. And there's the 45th president of the mm-hmm. United States of America doing that fucking weird dance that he does. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. no part of him thought, okay, maybe I will just leave. <laughs> I won't do the weird dance this one time. <laughs> <laughs> like out of respect for dead babies who got shot in the fucking face. Mm-hmm. I won't do the weird dance. Mm-hmm. But as you say, there doesn't seem to be, there's a, such a huge disconnect between the reality. And the funny thing is Americans, 90% of them want background checks mm-hmm. and, and some kind of, you know, why is it so outrageous to say, okay, if you're going to buy a gun like this, we have to check on you. You have to be certified. Like, mm-hmm. like if like to buy, to drive a car, why would they want, not want that? Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I'll ever understand it. And I don't think this discussion has made me understand it any better. I just find it outrageous. And it's not changing. Because it's just when these incidents happen, they just everybody just digs in. It's like a war. Yeah. You know, let's just dig in and protect our side. 
Well, they definitely have come up with a game plan, right? They just, they, they, they protecting the side being, it's not for the greater good, it's for the be- no. what's best for us, right? So no. the idea is, well, okay, we're, uh, we want more guns in society because more guns means more money for most people who are advocating for most, for, for more guns or yeah, right. more power, right? So it's going to be mental illness. And mel- that's the new one. And mental illness, uh, so anytime anybody shoots anyone, it's mental illness now. So, because mm-hmm. I guess obviously, if you're going to kill someone, there's something yeah. mentally wrong with you. So, and and, that, and that's a good point. So let's separate it. You know, they say you know guns don't kill people; people kill people. And you know, if we have these gun laws, you know, you're affecting uh, law-abiding citizens. Well, you know what? That's sort of true, but that's something we're going to have to live with. The criminal element is always going to have it. But this whole this mental illness thing's a whole different ball of wax. These aren't criminals per se. They're mentally ill people. So one less gun available to these people is going to help. How is one less gun in the street not a good thing? Yeah, we know criminals are always going to get guns. Great. But most of us and most Americans don't have to deal with the criminality day to day. It's a lot of urban stuff with people shooting, you know, gangs and all that stuff. So let's just look at that mental illness thing. If anything, that solidifies the argument. Yeah, there are mentally ill people. What can we do to restrict their access to guns? Forget about goober Joe Blow down in Memphis, Tennessee, who wants a gun in his cupboard. Great. He doesn't have to have it. He doesn't. You know, why is it that you have to go through a training process, a trial process, uh, and sort of a mentoring, you know, process when you're getting your license to drive a car? If all of a sudden young men between 18 and 24 were mowing down mobs of people in cars, you mm-hmm. might say, okay, well, we need to look, there's mental illness, and let's not let the mentally ill. And again, 18 to 24 is like peak hormonal, all that stuff that happens to young men. That's why they tend to be, you know, disenfranchised, whatever, whatever. But let's not let them drive cars until we've checked on their background. It seems, you know, it's funny because I want to say one last thing. They have this NRA convention. They go ahead with it. By the way, for the second time after a mass shooting, I think I, I can't remember if it was Columbine or Sandy Hook or one of them, Newtown or one of the other ones where we went. Well, that's enough. They had another convention a week later. But interestingly enough, the portion of the events where Trump was speaking, guns were banned in the hallways. You couldn't bring your gun in then to protect the fucking orange beast. Yeah, isn't that? Why not? Hey, Texas, why not open carry when the president's there? They wouldn't Mm -hmm. allow it. But mm-hmm. and, and then, of course, there's that asshole Ted Cruz talking about, well, you know, what the, the teacher left the door open. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That was the problem. He thinks the pro- he thinks his solution is to have better locks on the doors. But, Howard, even, you know, the criticism the police are taking now. Let's think about that. A small town like that, the police force, the local police defor- force. These are a bunch of guys that maybe finished high school, don't have a lot on the ball. And then all of a sudden, you know, day to day, they're not dealing with much. And all of a sudden, they're in the middle of that. Yeah. Yeah. Part of you goes, yeah, they were scared. They were probably scared to death of dying. They didn't know it was. That's not. So I don't want to hear about that aspect of it. That's just human nature being afraid. And somehow you can get your mind around that. The issue is the kid had an AR-15. That is the that's the issue. Yeah. But they don't want to look at it. They want to start blaming the cops now. Yeah, there was some mistakes, but that's human error. And 
fright and uh, just it, it it just goes on and on and it's yeah. just not getting any better and it won't if anything it's worse after this weekend with the with that convention yeah. and that despicable orange <clears throat> pig standing up there dancing uh, and by the way if you yeah, don't believe dancing. if you don't believe me just tr- just and there, you'll, there's lots of them, by the way. Just Google Donald Trump dances at NRA, and you just won't believe what you're going to see. Mm-hmm. You're going to see a man shortly after reading the names and mispronouncing some of the, ma- the names of these children, these babies that were killed, mm-hmm. is clapping and doing that little weird thing that he does. And you just think, like, well, what an Obama be? Well, first of all, Obama wouldn't be at that convention. But what, what kind of... Obama, Bush, Clinton, the, 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 the line for decency has been so pushed aside that mm-hmm. he didn't have the decency to, to maybe, mm-hmm. how many times have we said this? Just this one time, mm-hmm. just once act like a human being. Although he got the boots put to him through all, a few of these primaries or whatever you call them. A lot of his people didn't... Uh the people that he had endorsed didn't do as well as they thought they may. Yeah, I heard that. Which is, you know, maybe that's some light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, maybe. But in some ways, I'd love to see this abortion thing come back to the forefront a little more. Because I think you <laughs> nailed it when you said, I mean, maybe they're trying to keep it down now. Because if you get the women of America coming yeah. out to vote on that issue, they're in trouble. Yeah, that is going to be very interesting. I just saw, uh, I just saw uh, a text from our old producer Eileen because I had put a, I had tweeted that video of Marjorie Taylor Greene, and Eileen just wrote, "What a bag of twat." <laughs> Uh, All right, Dan, before we uh, let uh, everyone go, Fred has to tell us uh, a very good story about these fine people. Our friends, our favorites, the Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business. It allows small and medium-sized businesses an opportunity to not only prioritize what they need and want for their employees, but to actually go out and purchase it at a cost that can, well, they can do it. They just can't. 30,000 Canadian businesses uh, banding together, uh, you know, and it gives the image of a large company, and that way they can go and get the premiums that uh, are affordable uh, by all, and they keep the premiums down. It's great. You know, prescriptions and dental plans and uh, some therapies. And they have a mental health aspect now, HR department. It's crazy what they can do for uh, the amount of money that it costs for your small business. Chambers of Commerce, group insurance plan, chamberplan.ca. Uh, why did I play a lot of Tragically Hip on the show today? Because it's uh, starting to feel like summer. And I thought I'd throw out some hip there. You know, got a little bit of summertime vibe. Uh, thank you. Uh, sorry, Mike Hannafin, man. What a great kid, but I apologize that today did not work out. Uh, we'll try again. Uh, tomorrow, our good friend, Rabbi Ralph ben Mergi on our program. That's always a great discussion. We're talking about some of the things we've talked about today. We'll get his take on uh, misbehaving morning men. On Wednesday, the very funny and uh, bizarre Jeremy Hotz will join us, and uh, that'll be uh, that'll be it. Uh, we're gonna uh, we've accumulated so many of your emails. 
And uh, we will get to some of them over the next couple of days. It's been very, very uh, gratifying, and we certainly appreciate it. Humble and Fred at humbleandfredradio.com is our email. Really looking forward to what um, Ralph has to say about workplace relations and abuse. Yeah, I'm I'm sure he's got a spin. You know, I mean, I, I, Dan, of course, never had anything like this happen. I mean, the only thing he ever abused in the workplace was himself. <laughs> Canada's Carlin strikes again. <laughs> there we go. Canada's Carlin. Canada's Carlin. Wonderful, wonderful Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, Dan. Uh, all right, everyone. Stay safe and well. We'll see you uh, tomorrow. This episode of Hummel and Fred was brought to you by Bodog, Gig Sky, The Retirement Sherpa, The Chambers Plan, Bodog, Health Gauge, Hush Blankets, Relaxacare, and DraftKings. For Hummel and Fred, I'm Dan Duran, and remember, we are fake burgers and we track our poop. Like and subscribe. A little up the road from the habitations of the towns we know A place we saw the lights turn low The jigsaw jazz in the get fresh flow Pulling out jobs and jamboree handouts Two turntables and a microphone Bottles and cans and just clap your hands Or just clap your hands